Malcolm Holine, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Holine, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you very much. So it was good to be with you. Approaching day 100. And um, look, uh, the efforts on the part of so many have been unbelievable over the last 100 days. I mean, you can't deny that. Certain social media influencers, certain members of government, Israel, the U.S., and other governments around the world, uh, positions like yours and, and leadership. I mean, a, a lot of people have really come through in terms of keeping uh, the, the uh, narrative about the state of Israel where it should be and, of course, keeping our hostages out there and their fate out there um, in the forefront. However, Malcolm, it's not... Uh, it's not unusual for people to to simply grow a little bit tired. Again, no criticism. That's human nature. And I don't know how long the collective world, not just Jewish world, but the world, uh, can keep the heat on regarding the fate of our hostages. What are your thoughts as day 100 approaches? And we pray, we pray that they are returned home ASAP and not, God forbid, they linger. I don't even want to say it, but you know what could happen. Uh, they linger in the hands of their captives for God knows how long. It's a challenge, and I think the families have shown such remarkable courage, stamina, and dedication and devotion to their loved ones that they sustain this effort day in, day out for 100 days. It's, it's an eternity. And especially when you don't know, you don't know know, the conditions of the loved ones, where they are, and we see changes in the list every once in a while that people who were thought to be alive or not, and people who were thought to have not made it are actually believed to be captives now. And you're dealing with the most barbaric enemy that possible that the the uh, you know the world is focused on on a country fighting for its survival against uh, this horrific genocidal attack and yet israel is the one that gets accused of, of genocide it's put in the docket which is i'm sure we'll talk about but it's so yeah. so outrageous and for the families who have been trying to get at least the red cross to visit and they're not, and you see people accusing Red Cross even of being complicit in this. They wouldn't even accept a bottle of medicine from the prime minister. So for the families, the ray of hope is the concern and the prayers and the actions of people abroad and in Israel of the sustained uh, commitment to their, their ultimate recovery and safety. Uh, you use the word stamina. That might be the best word. Is it? Uh, a- a- am I being too praiseworthy of the people out there who are on social media? And again, those government officials and Jewish leaders who really are, uh, are are spending a lot of time on these issues, or is it appropriate to give them that kind of praise at this point? It's appropriate. Uh, it's sustained for an, on a very broad scale, and you have many local communities doing things. There's still the Friday tables set up for the for the hostages. There are all sorts of uh, creative programs and the posters and other things in every kind of venue around the world possible, from uh, Asia to to Europe to the United States. Yes, so it is praiseworthy that that we do it. But I don't know anybody who can look at the pictures of those hostages and not see, God forbid, a relative of yours there. And uh, I honestly, I don't say this, but honestly, I can't look at it. I, yeah. I, I get it. it gets, I don't need to be reminded. I think of them all the time, especially the little kids 
the Bibas children, uh, I see their picture, and anybody who doesn't see their own family there is missing the picture. This could, this is against all of us. And look, they, they want to do more. They say we're going to do more. And yet the world says, you know, you got to accommodate them. You have to deal with them. There's no accommodation with people who these these kind of barbaric acts. You know that I've been paying a lot of attention to Tzviyachas Kelly on Israeli television. And he has basically said over the last day or so that Sinwar has zero uh, need to release any hostages to, or to agree to any deal or release at this time. He doesn't think that the, uh, meaning he, Yechaz Kelly, doesn't think that Sinwar believes that uh, Israel is acting strongly enough in Gaza, uh, as 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 powerful as the IDF has been, um, probably not powerful enough to make Sinwar blink. And secondly, and, and, and this I think is a, a really legitimate point, the, U- the U.S. has citizens who are still being held hostage, as do other countries around the world. And it just seems to us that there's no public outrage coming from these governments. And as long as the U.S. and others don't show you know, much enthusiasm to get them out, why on earth should he or any Hamas leader agree to any deal? Well, first of all, I, I don't believe that he's indifferent to, to what Israel is doing. And he knows that, that Israel has uncovered uh, many of his colleagues and uh, removed them from the scene or arrested them and and uh, I think you know when the postmortem is done you will see how how far and extensive and effective Israel's operation is that Israel will not carpet bomb everything and remembering that he is surrounded by the hostages most likely according to the reports and that uh, he thinks that's a safeguard but he is not sleeping without one eye open at night he knows that uh, it, that they'll find him eventually, uh, and I don't think Israel will stop until they do, or some deal that that accommodates this. I don't believe he should be allowed to be ex- exiled. I think he has to be removed from the scene, uh, along with the others who have been who were responsible for it. But I don't think the determination to get him is, is diminished at all. I do believe that there are mixed signals being sent sometimes and that when you put pressure on Israel, these these the terrorists then take comfort in it. Uh, it it's like, you know, the Houthis were removed from the terrorism list. I can't believe that that was but an invitation to them to to increase their activities, to show that no matter what they do, they get a buy. And, and even now, after... Thank God, the very important actions taken by the United States and the UK yesterday, finally hitting uh, sites inside Yemen. Uh, perhaps not enough, some say, but I think significant that they finally did it belatedly uh, after 27 attacks. That they, this is how terrorists think. You've got to put yourself in their mindset, not ha- how we would approach it, but how do they approach it? They could stop them. They could end the war tomorrow. Let them give up. Let the guys responsible for the attacks give up, and the war is over. My, my, the hostages. Yeah, no, I agree. My list just keeps getting longer and longer here. That's why. That's why I'm interrupting you for a second. On the, uh, is there any reasonable reason to believe that that the, all the hostages are not in Gaza at this time? Everyone has, you know, conjectured that they they've been snuck out of the, the Gaza area. They're in other countries, but 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 chances are, and again, I know you can't predict, and I know you don't know 100. percent But chances are, at this point, there's no reason to believe they're not all still in Gaza. Would that be safe to say? I think so. I, 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 in my meetings with uh, Israeli intelligence and, and operatives and government officials, no one has suggested 
that they removed. It's obviously something that Israel is looking for. There are is smuggling going on still along the Egyptian border. There is a belief that some people may have escaped earlier, but I don't believe that the key guys uh, got out. And uh, some listeners want to know, because we discussed it last week, about contacting the Red Cross, because frankly, with the UN and everybody else that people are angry at, for some reason, the Red Cross, you know, we grew up with an impression that they really are there uh, to help and protect everybody to their to the level they can, who's in difficult situations like this around the world. It, it should, people who want to call the Red Cross simply call the local or national offices here in this country and lodge a complaint? I mean, it, it doesn't have to go further than that. If they're being bounced around by whoever answers the phone to call somewhere else, it, the, the fact that they contact and express their outrage to these local offices here would be sufficient, right? It's actually not because the American Red Cross is independent of the International Red Cross. Ah. I think it's important that they do it so they convey the message. But the fact is that the American Red Cross has generally been supportive. And in the past, and we've had many, many meetings with them because each time the Red Cross, um, which is the International Red Cross, which I believe um, that those who accuse it of complicity are not far off, that right. they, that they, uh, but protesting to them and people stop contributing. Um, when you don't contribute to the American Red Cross, you hurt their efforts here in the United States. Right. And but we got to put pressure on our, on Congress and others to take uh, actions, even sanctions, that people highlight what the Red Cross. But but look at what some of their people have done and look at their statements. I mean, they're propagandists. Right. So people who want to complain directly to them, they are looking for the International Red Cross. That's who they're Geneva, right. right by email, by phone, whatever method, right. that's who they have to address, the International Red Cross. Note that, please, everybody. All right, why the Houthis? If Iran is, is, is the governing body, so to speak, the coordinator of all this that's going on, and we know we've thought that since October the 7th, why are the Houthis the one that they're asking to try to uh, compel the United States to get involved and other countries to get involved uh, in, in this activity? Why are they not, uh, I don't know, using Hezbollah? I mean, to a degree, you might say they are, uh, but, but using other groups or they themselves uh, to go and try to compel the U.S. to get involved. So, first, we have to have a willing partner and the Houthis are more than willing to be partners in this. Second, they saw what they got away with attacking Saudi Arabia. And as I said, when the United States took them off the, uh, the terrorism list, uh, which many members of Congress are now trying to reverse, uh, that sent a signal that they were free to act. And, they, and the risk is limited. So what if they bomb Yemen, one of those amongst the poorest countries, if not the poorest country in the world? They, they have infrastructure there, like the storage places and other things, nothing that they can't replace. And, uh, and the Yemenis are in a position to do what they did with harassing Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia now intervenes to, against state's action, which is unbelievable given the fact that, that their airports were being hit by Houthi rockets and they were appealing for support. And now when finally action is taken against them, they're, they're uh, waffling on their position and, and uh, I think the UAE as well. I understand that they don't want to be subjects of the, of the attacks, but... The only way to do this is that Houthis should have been wiped out a long time ago, that the, the this attack, this response should not have waited till 27 attacks. This has right. to be, and I know many military people wanted to do before, they're not a powerful thing. And you see that Iran then got directly involved. It is a direct arm of Iran. It is part of the encirclement with, with in Iraq and Syria and Lebanon and Gaza and Yemen. 
trying to completely encircle Israel and and even smuggling weapons through Jordan and everything. So the Yudan Shamron, the West Bank, become part of that encirclement. Uh, so the the answer is it's got to be done. It's got to be done consistently. And what are and they? Are they simply a rebel group that's sympathetic to Iran? They are, uh, uh, well, they, they, uh, they uh, challenged the government of Yemen first and made inroads. And part of the pressure is that the, even Western sources said, oh, you should make them part of the government. No, you shouldn't. And they they uh, had successes in, in Yemen. Um, the United States, others gave assistance to the government of Yemen to, to try and fight them. They're not an effective fighting force. So they control certain areas, but particularly the ports. And they they are completely wholly owned subsidiary of Iran today. Wow. Are they still holding the cargo ship crew from from a month? Yes. Or th- they're still hold- nobody even knows about that. Talk about hostages. Nobody even talks about them that they're still being held by the enemy. And and, and Iran seized the boat this week. Iran seized the boat. This so week. these I these think. crew members are now being held prisoner by the Iranians at this point. They're, the, the, as far as I know, they have, they're holding them. They, they can make all sorts of claims that they're money owed. There's other things. It's all untrue. This is complete provocation and interfering with international shipping, which is going to cost billions to the West. Do we know because the na- of the increased shipping costs? Do we know the nationality of these crew members? They're everything. They're everything. That's what I thought. Also, you just talked about the cost and 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 how this is going to affect you know shipping around the world. I would assume, just knowing how much product comes out of China, I would assume this is really important to them, to the Chinese, that that the Houthis could take control over the area. Uh, and, and by the way, there are ships that already are 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 completely avoiding the area and taking a much longer route to get to the western part of the world. Wouldn't you think this is an opportunity for the U.S. and China to get together and you know and figure out a way because it, 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 because all of this, all the diversion is going to cost money. Meaning, if you're diverting ships and all the the costs are going to go up, as you said. Wouldn't it be to their advantage to join some type of alliance, a business alliance, to take care of this situation? So they, they number one, their ships are not being attacked. And uh, and the Houthis won't attack uh, Chinese. They won't attack Russian ships, as far as we can see. There will be others that will not be subject to it. They're looking for American ships, UK ships, of course, under the guise that they're looking for ships going to Israel. Most of these ships Israel. And... Um, and the Chinese have vested interests in a lot of stuff. You know how much, uh, how many weapons now from China are being discovered in Gaza and other places. You'd say, well, why is it in their interest? You know, they got the Uyghurs, they got their uh, their own Muslim problem, which nobody talks about in their persecution of their Muslim population. Doesn't the, these Muslim countries from completely succumbing to to Chinese pressure and involvement? Uh, it's one. It's another one of the enigmas of today's world and the hypocrisy that abounds. So it's it, it. Whatever I thought would be some type of economic detriment to Chinese exports, it's just not true. They're not suffering at all. Well, as far as we know, as far as I know, they haven't suffered. Uh, you know, the increased fees though on international shipping is going to affect everybody ultimately. I mean, China gets its from Iran and from Saudi Arabia. Really. Um, and, uh, and very significant, they take the vast majority of the oil coming out of Iran and uh, shipping. They may have other routes and, and other ways of uh, 
of, of diverting that, but it's it, right. China will put its ideological goals above all. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSegal.com, and the AlchemSegal Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. If you haven't supported our 40th anniversary campaign yet, please be among those donors who are supporters. If you appreciate our programming, go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and we thank you. All right, now to The Hague. First of all, what's the procedure, Malcolm? <laughs> how does how does this get on the docket, and why so quickly? Frankly, you know, usually we look at the court systems that we're used to, and you know, you can't get a traffic hearing till a year from now. Uh, what is the procedure that gets this issue that requires Israel to send defenders to the Hague on the calendar so quickly? So. You, you make a request. This case is going to last for years. Uh. This is only the preliminary hearings. Uh, today, Israel defends itself. Yesterday, they, the South Africans and others attacked Israel. Uh, the hypocrisy of South Africa, the rape uh, capital of the world, the, the, the crime is rampant and, and, uh, and you know, uh, unlawful are, are bound by the government. By they uh, bring the case, the agent for Iran. All the others that they, uh, 136 countries, by the way, do not support South Africa's case against Israel at the international court, something you won't read. Um, and a handful of the, of, of the great dictatorships, you know, join them. But th- th- this is only the preliminary or the first to shot now to research and, and uh, there are cases before the court involving Russia, which are already four or five years old, some cases even longer. It takes a long time time till this is adjudicated. They may have some sort of interim where they ask for a ruling on a specific thing, but it, this is a, this is only the opening shot of the case. And is there anything that's a precedent? I mean, is the Hague ever busy <laughs> except when it comes to Israel? Well, as I said, they have all these outstanding cases. They don't seem to be in a rush to, to finish Look how long it took with, uh, was it Milosevic and others that, you know, these cases drag on for years in, at the international court. And this is a propaganda ploy. It, it, South Africa is not interested in justice. South Africa is not interested in, in doesn't give a anybody else. They, they've long been advocates for the Palestinian issue, guising it as anti-colonial and, and whatever. Um, but and they say that the Palestinians were were helpful to them, and Jews were much more helpful to them, and they disregard this completely. So the 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 court, how the system works, is very complicated, and uh, you know the comments by leading experts from the world about how you know and how um, distorted is. I went to the Hague a couple of years ago when Israel was being brought in the docket, and privately, some of the justices said to us, "Well, we." Choices, the system, etc., finding uh, ways out uh, to exculpate themselves, but at the same time indicting the court. Yeah, how uncomfortable is the uh, Jewish community of South Africa right now, and specifically the leaders of the community? Who, you know, I, I would assume that some of them have a relationship with members of the government, and they and they watch this happen. And by the way, in addition to that, I hear it's very difficult procedurally to make Aliyah from South Africa to Israel these days. So. First of all, Aliyah has always been high from South Africa. It was a very Zionist community. and um, But procedurally, it's hard uh, now, right? Like, it's hard just to get the documents and to get everything need, needed and that, necessary that, to go. 
that is, uh, I heard that from people as well. I, we talk to the community there regularly um, and to other communities that are under siege, uh, like Turkey, like others that uh, people don't talk about. But, you know, conditions in a lot of these countries has deteriorated. But especially in South Africa, where you have very courageous Jewish leadership, the Zionist, uh, uh, Zionist board and others, the board of deputies, they, and Rabbi Goldstein, others have been very outspoken uh, in, in government. And they, they do have allies. There are, there are fundamental Christian groups. There are others. There's also a strong Muslim population in South Africa. People don't. It's very strong and vocal. Uh, so this is. I mean, when I was in South Africa the last time I was taken to see the president, they didn't stop at a red light. They just because if you stop, you get hijacked, carjacked. Gosh. So literally they slow down a little bit at a stop sign and just keep. And it's it's it, my my heart was in my mouth the whole time. I mean, this the barbed wire around people's homes, the, the crime. People walk at night along on the streets. They all have, they have guards and. um and it's a tragedy because it's such a magnificent Jewish community, and the leadership there is so out. And and it, as I said, a very Zionistic community, a, a religious community. It's a uh, it's a tragedy to see what's happened. Speaking in the Sandston, and which is right in the hotel and right next to the convention center, and the event was in the convention center. They had a guard sitting outside my hotel room, and I don't wear any jewelry, and. The, they accompanied us inside the hotel to the convention center. Yeah. They wouldn't let us go alone. So people's image of it, I went there in the in the 80s and such a vibrant community. And unfortunately, we see what the, the ANC has been so hostile. We had a meeting with them a number of years ago, and we got through our hands up and said there's no hope. Unbelievable. Uh, your impressions of the Secretary of State's uh, trip, Anthony Blinken's trip to the Middle East, and specifically, I mean, I'm assuming his conversations with Israel were, you know, basically the same as they have been over the last few weeks. But his insistence when he meets with Mahmoud Abbas, his insistence about the uh, road to peace and the potential for peace, etc. What do you think of his visit this week? Well, you know, some of the public pronouncements uh, obviously cause concern in Israel. And, you know, you, you, when you're dealing with terrorists, if you don't show them a steel wall of opposition, if you don't show them that there's no way out for them to survive, you're never going to get them to compromise. And I think Abbas's record over the years and to talk about him as part of the solution is almost ludicrous. He's 86 in bad health and uh, he, he, he doesn't enjoy the support of the Palestinian people, let alone of being able to, to be a solution. The problem is they have no other solutions right now. Yeah. And they see, you know, the, um, the demonstrations around the world growing. This has a political impact in, in different countries. Um, and the um, uh, the international court, et cetera, where the United States obviously has been very supportive of Israel and they continue on the weapons and we hope Congress will pass the quickly the aid to Israel. But in the meantime, they did do shipments to Israel and they, they've stood up for him in, in other fora. So, you know, there's always a balancing act, and especially when you have a state department where I'm sure the pressure is, is significant. But I always, for comfort, I looked at the statements by Kirby, the spokesman for the national security council and the way he has stood up. It, it's really quite remarkable. And, and Miller from state, uh, I wish the policymakers would echo that sometimes, but the um, you know um, uh, what's most important. Israel right now needs 
uh, resupplies, especially air ammunition and, and what they're facing in the north would require, again, huge amounts. They have been getting shipments done outside of Congress, bypassing Congress under emergency acts, uh, but they need the big package. And Israel has to learn a lesson from this, and that is to become independent in the manufacture of weapons, what? Of ammunition. Right. Well, yeah, I wish. Um, what's the timetable on that? I always ask you this because I, I just don't know how to follow it. When is it likely that this could come to a vote in the uh, in the United States Congress? It could come to a vote any time if they, but they're fighting over the aid to Israel has a, a, an immediate majority, an absolute majority, and they, but they're using it because they want to, the aid to Ukraine does not, right. and and then the Republicans have added to it that they want the package to include action on the south on our southern border, which is now under discussion, and as Senator Schumer others have indicated they're have something included in it. The question is, will it be enough to satisfy them? And in the meantime, as I said, Israel got these imme- these um, emergency shipments, but the 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 timetable depends. And and you know they're they're running also on 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 a continuing resolution that they have to have a budget. So they're under pressure all the time to to deal oh, with those deadlines. Right, there could be a government shutdown within a week or two. Right, when is that? Like yes. Yeah, Week, the, I think. Yeah, the end of yeah, and, 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 the, and the possibilities they'll just do the pass a bill just to continue it till September or whatever. But this this is very unhealthy. Also, that every two weeks we come up with a crisis. Yeah, well, that's for sure. Boy, oh boy, I'll tell you. Uh, so much going on. The ADL uh, has seen an alarming surge in anti-Semitic incidents across the United States. Obviously, no surprise to you. We've been discussing this almost every week. God knows for how many months at this point. Um, Years. Yeah, correct. I'm thinking specifically since everybody revealed who they really are after this war began or after the attack of October 7th. All of a sudden, uh, there's rhetoric out there that likely is leading to more anti-Semitic incidents. Uh, Are are you seeing uh, more vigilance among U.S. government officials, among local police forces, etc.? I mean, is there is there are they paying attention to this and are they committed to getting these numbers down and doing what they can to curb these incidents? So I don't know if you can give a blanket answer, but by and large, yes, I do think certainly officials in New York have been paying attention to it. I, I still think that uh, there's a lot of corruption. The fact that public schools in New York City, that we've had the incidents that we had at the uh, sports games and other things, <laughs> tells you that this cancer has infiltrated the high schools and even elementary schools. We see more and more cases of it. We saw now uh, 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 maps with the Israel removed because it turns out that the Qatari Foundation funds this program in, inside the public schools. Uh, and uh, and we, you will find out more and more, and I, if we have time, um, much more time, I would start going into how extensive the involvement of Qatar is on the campuses in the United States. The direct correlation between foreign funding and increased anti-Semitism, the fact that they get packages of scholarships when they give the money to give out as they wish, and you can be sure of who's getting those scholarships, they affect the appointment of faculty. I mean, literally every day we are uncovering more and more information, which will get out, and it's not just them. The Chinese are involved. Russia is involved. Turkey is involved. They, they, um, yeah. 
campuses. You see the big uh, case now with Texas A&M, yeah. which has a, a branch in, in Qatar. We have four universities or five that have it. There's going to be exposures on Cornell and many other universities coming up in the weeks ahead, like the ones on, on Penn and, and the, the, the imposition of quotas against Jewish students. There's so much to this. You just on the campus area alone, we could write 12 volumes, I think, right now, of how extensive, and there are people doing really serious research. It's not haphazard comments. And then the documents on which they base it disappear from government files after it becomes public. And, and, and we have real incidents of that now. It's just so much, and there, there are a lot of really good people focusing on it, trying to expose it. There are lawsuits, Lawfare Project, ISGAP, uh, the NCRI, really doing amazing things in addition to the national agencies. But the extent to which this cancer has spread, I think, will be shocking to people. Yeah, and, uh, the, 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 and the youth piece to it, as you just said, is really is really something uh i didn't even consider that the uh, you know that if we're seeing these types of comments and hearing about what's going on in a in a girls basketball game uh, imagine what um uh, what what these uh young people have been taught and uh, what has been fed to them over all these years by the way with that in mind I get that Israel or the U.N. or the United States or wherever it was over all these years that we've been discussing it tried to curb the rhetoric and summer camps that the that the Gazans and the and the members of the PA's families attend and the schools and the literature and the books. As much as we thought there were changes in those areas, Malcolm, and now it does seem evident that there, there really were no changes. No changes to the literature, the, the 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 school books, and the and the type of uh, anti-Israel examples and and you know problems that uh, that they present in a typical math or other classes, the summer camps that we thought you know the rhetoric was being t- uh, there. Yeah, yeah. No, we thought, thought it was being here. No, there and, was and being. T- no, but I'm worried about the ones here too. I agree. That's why I, I started with that. Imagine what the kids here have been taught. But we also thought that there was this massive effort throughout the Middle East. At least that was the impression that we had years ago. There was a massive effort to, to really tone things down and bring up a next generation, you know, without the level of hate uh, that they had been taught. But in- there was there was changes that Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Egypt, Morocco all changed their textbooks. They just changed them and made them worse. Um, Egypt also changed the textbooks. They removed many of the anti-Semitic and right. anti-Israel so P- P- references. P.A. and Gaza schools then probably did not, right? Absolutely did not. They're, right. they're worse than ever. Right. They trained their kids. You saw the summer camps right. were for, for terrorism and how they trained in, in how to kill Jews. I mean, yes, it's it, those things. They did not change and, and they continue to get support. And, and uh, you know, we're pouring billions of dollars of aid into Gaza. Why didn't they make that a demand on Europeans and everybody else who's pressing Israel, which provided electricity, water? Other things, fuel. These got people didn't pay. Gazans didn't pay for all of those things, and they destroyed. The, the, I'm sorry. He listened on NPR every day. The distortions, the lies. If you want to know how they're influencing us between yeah. the BBC and NPR, yeah. um, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, hundred percent. Finally, Malcolm. Let's leave all the personalities out. It's obvious to the people who listen to this that, that you have close relationships with many people in the Israeli government. But, but as objectively as possible, uh, don't you think it's time now 
to, to really consider, you know, a, a, a change in leadership. And I'm not saying this anti-BB. I'm just saying in general, there has to be a point. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll say it's after Pesach. Maybe they'll give a, a, a different time limit. But at some point, there has to be, you know, new elections with, with a new leader who hopefully will be able to, you know, to give a direction of unity and, and, and start to, you know, to, to make peace with the situation at hand. Um, I, I, I was thinking this from the beginning. You know, I was one of the first call for Netanyahu to resign and go to elections immediately. I get that a lot of people didn't think it was a good idea. In fact, you were one of them who didn't think it was a good idea. But at what point is it a good idea? Not now. Really? Because while you're in a war and while you're engaged in the conflict, the, the least thing you need is a divisive political internal battle. It exists already. Even and, if I tell you the and, war, God forbid, will last a long time. And they, they will speculate. It don't. The time will come when uh, as it, if it extends... Uh, as long as you suggest, but I think right now, facing what we do in in Lebanon and uh, facing the situation in Gaza and the region and beyond, right now we need a, a unity to to sustain an election will be divisive by its very nature and in Israel very much so. Right. Uh, I think it would be hard even to contemplate what could emerge. It could be a coalition, a coalescence of forces, but you have that now. Uh, if Gantz quits the government, I think that would change things. And if Gantz and the others uh, walk out, which is not impossible. Uh, but I think right now an election, this is not the time either for recriminations or elections, investigations into the causes and how what, what happened is already being designed and determined by the military and by half a dozen others will all get into what happened, why it happened, how is it that... They weren't prepared, but that will also be very divisive and hold military and other people to account at a time when we need them focused on on the war and the and the challenges that Israel faces there and globally. You know, having people campaign during the middle of this, I think, would be a, a really bad diversion. Even though based on what you told this us, is personal. Even and, though, and, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm, no just... I'm, I'm saying that, and if you can tell me that there's one person that can unite everybody right now and lead them out of this darkness, okay. But I know BB's very low, but I don't see and and others are higher uh, people. Some of them are not proven leaders, and some uh, the question is whether they could put together a coalition. Maybe some sort of an interim measure of that kind will ultimately be necessary. But I don't know that an old wouldn't do anything but drain necessary energies. Right. I mean, last week you seemed to indicate that certain people are campaigning already, but I guess that's an informal campaign right. as, as opposed to the formal campaigns that, as you suggest, are usually divisive and uh, usually uh, uh, quite enthusiastic. Uh, we'll put it that way. Um, well, uh, it's uh, what, what can I say? We approach day 100. I know that there are certain gatherings that are going to be taking place this weekend to commemorate that. A kolakavod, I mean this seriously to those who are keeping the hostage issue at the forefront. It's over three months, and people, as you know, these days get very tired. And a lot of people get very tired of hearing it, and certainly people get tired of you know hitting the streets and keeping it in the public eye. So all I could say is a thank you to those around the world who are really uh, giving it their all and making sure that nobody forgets about uh, our brothers and sisters uh, still in captivity. And and they should, everybody has a responsibility to get this message out. There's a very significant part of the American population that doesn't believe October 7th happened, just as 20% of, of young people 
think the Holocaust is a myth and almost half have doubts about the authenticity of the reports. So it's constant education. Don't give up. This is about our future, about Israel's future, the future for the Jewish people, our children, grandchildren. There's so much at stake. And as I said, if, if they knew what was going on on the campuses and now people are applying to campuses, check out what the security situation for Jews are on those campuses yeah. and how welcoming they really are today. It's changed. And people are not quite aware of it, but also in the public schools, in the in the elementary schools, we're already seeing manifestations of, of this hatred. Even they don't know where Gaza is or what the history is, and they know very little about anything today. They, they yell, you know, from the river to the sea. Yeah. By the way, a lot of people want to visit Israel. Not enough have, obviously, and not a criticism, uh, but a lot of people do want to go. Uh, have you heard anything about the potential of the airline prices to Israel dropping at all in the near future, or is this something you haven't heard anything about? I mean, I've heard rumors about it, but you know that several airlines, uh, Lufthansa, Swissair, Alitalia, others are flying or announced that they're flying, uh, which will always help. Uh, El Al is flying full now, airline and charging an arm and a leg for for tickets, but people are filling the planes. People do want to go. The missions, the hotels are full with American missions and European missions of people showing solidarity. Some hotels, right. And and it's imperative that they uh, continue. Other hotels are also still full with refugees, and we, right. we don't talk enough about the internal, the 200,000 people, 85,000 from the north and 100-plus thousand from the south who are, are displaced and who, who haven't been home now is and we don't know what it will take to rebuild their communities or to make it possible for them to go back. We shouldn't forget them and the aid and the money, the chesed that's being done. We need to continue to support it. But check first the veracity of the of the places you're giving money to see if they do it only with places you trust. Because unfortunately, there are those who take advantage of these circumstances. Yeah, what a what. Uh... What the enemy has done, my God, on so many levels, what the enemy has done with this whole episode. Uh, all right, Malcolm, have a wonderful Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. We'll speak, please, God, next week. Good Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline, uh, Malcolm Holmline, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, the weekly update here at JM in the AM.